everybody, this is the Gathering Springfield podcast. My name is Josh Gunner. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. We've been talking about the presence of God this season. It's been a great topic, one of my absolute favorite topics, and it is the most important thing in our life. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the joy that is found in the presence of God, how he makes us full of gladness. It's going to be a great topic. So without any further ado, let's ask the Father to give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It's another Wednesday, which means another episode in our podcast. Again, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've been able to listen to the other episodes in this season as we talk about the presence of God. If not, I want to encourage you to do that. In our first season, we talked about the glorious return of Jesus Christ. And in the second season, we've been focused on the presence of God. What does that mean? What is the manifest presence of God, the value of it, some of the dynamics of it, what happens in his presence? It's actually a much deeper topic than a lot of people think of when they hear the presence of God. I'm excited for today's episode as we're talking about the joy of his presence. Also, I want to go ahead and let you know next week's going to be a special episode. One of the pastors in our church is going to be joining us. We're going to be talking a little bit about his story and uh, some of the things that he has encountered in his presence and what the presence of God means to him. He's got some pretty great stories, so it's going to be a lot of fun having him here. And then the next week, we're actually going to have my wife, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Ashton's going to be joining me, and then we'll have one more guest the following week, uh, and we'll then we'll continue into the conversation on the presence of God. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's go ahead and get in today's episode. I've already said it, but we're talking about joy. We're talking about gladness in the presence of God. And I want to start off by by saying this. We have kind of divided joy and happiness and gladness. And I do understand that there's a difference between joy, you know, deep-rooted spiritual joy from God and just uh, the uh, emotion of feeling happy. I know that those are two different things. But in our effort in teaching the difference between the two, we've kind of created this idea that, oh, I have joy, but you're miserable, and that's okay. That is not what the Bible teaches. And if that's the result of teaching the difference between joy and gladness, uh, there's something that we need to address here. If you have the joy of the Lord, then although you may go through seasons of sadness and sorrow, that doesn't mean that you should stay there. In the presence of God, he can actually make us happy, make us joyful. Not just this deep-rooted joy in knowing who God is. And I'm not talking about, uh, you know, there is a joy that passes understanding. Now, I'll talk a little bit about that, how sometimes we are in seasons in our life that it doesn't look like we should be joyful, uh, whether we're going through... uh, a season where we have lost a loved one, or going through a season where maybe there's some financial hardship or things like that, there is a joy that goes far beyond our circumstance, and that is a deeply rooted joy that passes understanding. But that being said, in the presence of God, you can actually be happy. You can enjoy the emotion of happiness. God hasn't given us happiness and gladness and said, I don't ever want you to enjoy that. He actually wants us to find a severe joy and gladness. I'll say happiness 
in his presence. And that's actually something that happens whenever we, we enter into a certain realm of his manifest presence as he makes us not just uh, joyful uh, deep down somewhere hidden on the inside of us, but he actually makes us glad and happy and creates our face to shine with a smile. It, go, it goes up much deeper than just this, this almost mystic uh, joy that is hidden that nobody can see, but he'll actually make us glad to where others who look at us will see that we have the joy of the Lord, that we have a deeply rooted, not just joy, but a deeply rooted gladness and happiness. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, how there is happiness, there is gladness in the presence of God. There's almost this mentality that we should be miserable as Christians. And that is not scriptural. We do not have to be miserable. Now, I know that the Bible says that, that Jesus sent us out as lambs among wolves. I know I'm not saying that life is always easy and that it should just always be butterflies and roses and cupcakes. But that being said, we are called to be a happy people. I believe that God's people should be the happiest of people. I think it's a sad thing whenever we justify our grumpy attitudes, we justify our depression, we justify our grief and sorrow and and just living in that by saying, well, I have the joy of the Lord. And then your face looks miserable and your attitude stinks and people don't want to be around you because you're always down. See, that is not the joy of the Lord. I don't know what a person living like that thinks the joy of the Lord is, but that's not it. As a Christian, you don't have to be miserable. As a Christian, you can be happy. I don't want you to think that this is just an opinion of Josh. I have 15 verses, 15 scriptures that I want to bring to you. I won't spend a whole lot of time here, but I do want to read through these verses and uh, uh, to kind of set a precedent to show a biblical example of not just joy, but happiness and gladness. Some of these verses that I'm going to read will talk about joy, and it is talking about a, a, a deeply rooted joy that is grounded in a relationship with God. Sometimes it speaks, it uses the word gladness, which is really a kind of a modern way of saying happy. Some of these verses will say joy and gladness. Some will talk about these great deep rooted pleasures. And so with that being said, I want to go ahead and read about 14 of these verses and then uh, talk for you. Then I want to, and I want to wrap it all up with uh, the last verse, which will be found in the book of Acts and the concept and what I think is the key of living joyful. And I'll take it a step further, not just joyful that nobody can recognize, but the key of living happy, the key of living with gladness and joy. And so uh, that, that's how we'll wrap up today's episode. So stick with me. It's going to be a good one. Here we go. Psalm 16 verse 11 says this, you make known to me the path of life in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The psalm here is saying, praising God, saying, God, you make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I also think it is neat, and this is going to tie in with the last scripture that I read at the end of this episode. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and here the psalmist is looking to the Father saying, at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And for us, in Christ, 
the right hand of the Father, there are pleasures forevermore. I'm getting ahead of myself, but there's a a deep connection between this verse and the last verse that I'm going to read, and I hope you remember that. But notice this passage says that whenever we're in the presence of God, I'm not talking about his omnipresence. Remember, go back and listen to a couple episodes where I explain the difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God, because the omnipresence of God is everywhere, and there is a lot of people that are not full of joy. But the psalmist here, says that in your presence, and he's speaking about the manifest presence of God where his kingdom resides, where he is manifesting himself to man. It says that in that place, in that holy place, there is fullness of joy. It doesn't say that there's a little bit of joy, but there's fullness of joy. This isn't a scripture that I planned on talking about, but in Psalm 23, it says that my cup overflows. Here, the Bible says that that in your presence, that you give me fullness of joy. Whenever we go into that holy place with God, when we get into that that holy and sacred place of knowing God and God is real to us and, and we're encountering the Lord, then he, oh, he fills us with his joy. Psalm 21 verse 6 says, For you make him most blessed forever. This is David speaking of the king. He's talking about the righteous king. He says, For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. There is a certain dynamic to the presence of God. There is a joy coupled with his presence. Last week, we talked about uh, kind of a hard topic of how there is conviction in the presence of God. You know, conviction doesn't feel good, but when we're in his presence, there are seasons where we need to be convicted. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will convict us not just concerning sin, but also righteousness. In his presence, as we lean into his presence, as we encounter the Lord, then we get a taste of the joy that comes along with his presence. Even in conviction, we can have joy because the conviction of the Lord is meant for reconciliation with the Lord, and there is great joy in the reconciliation with the Father. So if we sin and we're convicted of our sin in his presence, it's also that conviction that leads to great joy because it's the conviction that helps us be reconciled to God. David says in Psalm 21, verse 6, You make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. What he's saying is you make him happy. What he's literally saying is that you make him happy with the joy of your presence. So the joy of the Lord may not start off with you feeling happy, but as you continue to lean into his presence, then that joy will overflow and make you happy, make you glad. Psalm 30 verse 11 says, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. That word gladness is not joy. That word is happiness. <laughs> it, it, it just amazes me. The reason why I'm, I'm, I keep bringing that up is because it amazes me how so many Christians have this idea that we can't be happy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. I get it. It, Happiness isn't, but happiness is a result of our deeply rooted joy in the Lord. God has the ability to take your mourning. You notice he doesn't say that you'll never go through seasons of mourning. You're going to go through seasons of sorrow. You're going to go through seasons of grief and pain. He promises that he will take that and in that he'll turn your mourning, your sorrow, your grief, and he will turn it into dancing. But that is only available in his presence. It's what passes all understanding, that joy that passes understanding, that although I was in a season of weeping and mourning and grief, as I continue to put myself in the presence of God, he transforms that into gladness and joy. Let's remember Jesus. The scripture says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. 
So Jesus was saying, I'm willing to go through the season of sorrow. I'm willing to go through this season of grief. I'm willing to go through this season of trial and persecution and pain and loss because of what? Because of the joy that is set before him. He didn't say that all those things were taken And so he had joy. He said, but it's because of the joy that I'm willing to endure these things, that I'm willing to push through them because I know that there's a joy ahead of me. I know that that the sorrow and the grief and the mourning and the pain and the persecution and the trial, that's not where it ends. That's just the journey that I'm walking through to enter into that place of great joy. Again, Psalm 30, verse 11, he clothes me with gladness. Wouldn't it be great if we just walked around clothed in happiness and in gladness? Psalm 100 verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. I would dare to say that if you want to be very fruitful for the ministry, or if you want to be very fruitful in the kingdom of God, don't walk around with a grumpy attitude. If you want to affect people with the kingdom of heaven, with the love of Jesus Christ, if you want the gospel to go forth from your life and affect other people, serve him with gladness. It amazes me how many Christians want to talk about Jesus, want to talk about uh, church, want to talk about the Bible, want to talk about the Spirit and the presence of God, yet they're always in a horrible mood. I think it's good, obviously, to talk about Jesus, to talk about the presence, to talk about the Bible, to talk about church, to talk about the things of God. But if your attitude and your facial expression isn't representing what happens in his presence and what happens in the kingdom, then what you're actually doing is you're telling people, hey, there's a kingdom and here's Jesus. And and you're, you're laying down information about the kingdom of heaven, but then you're also telling them that although I'm in this kingdom, I'm also not glad and I'm depressed and I'm angry and I'm, and, and you're laying this all out that why in the world would you want to be a part of that kingdom? Again, I'm not talking about goofy, silly. Well, what I am saying is that your life should reflect the kingdom of heaven and in the kingdom of heaven, the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is a matter of righteousness. So yes, if you're walking in righteousness, that is great. But it goes beyond that. It says that the kingdom of heaven is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to reflect the kingdom of heaven, walking in righteousness and refraining from sin isn't enough. If we want to reflect it well, we can refrain from sin, walking in righteousness, but also having a deeply rooted peace, a deeply rooted joy that is found in the presence of God. Joy in the Holy Spirit. A few more verses. Uh, Jude chapter 1 verse 24 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. I want to give you some context of this verse here. Jude is writing to the church. He is edifying them. He's giving direction as an apostolic voice. And he ends it by saying, Jesus is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Verse 25 says, To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forever. Amen. What Jude is saying is that Jesus is going to present you to the Father with great joy. Not only is he going to present you blameless, but he's going to present you with great joy. When Jesus returns... When Jesus gathers his church, one, in Jesus' ultimate plan, 
in the kingdom of heaven, his people are filled with joy. In fact, look at the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, that word Eden actually means delight or pleasure. Whenever he created man, he put them smack dab in the middle of a garden full of pleasure and delight to make them full of gladness and joy that came with his presence. Whenever Jesus returns, he establishes his kingdom in fullness on this earth, and for all eternity, we will be full of joy and gladness. Isaiah 35, verse 10, the prophet says, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. On that day when Jesus calls us into New Jerusalem, when he calls us into the millennial kingdom, when he, whenever he returns, we are going to enter in with gladness and joy. All of our sorrow and sighing shall flee. And I understand that that may be a present state for his people, but Jesus said, pray this way, Father, let your will on earth happen as it is in heaven. So let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if heaven is full of gladness and joy, Jesus prayed, let your will happen here on earth. And if you want to know God's will, look at heaven. Look at eternity. God's ultimate plan, he, the way he created the universe, was full of gladness and joy without sorrow. It's full of joy. It's full of gladness. And I understand that there, again, there are times that are legitimate seasons of sorrow and grief. But a part of our Christian walk is praying that prayer that Jesus prayed, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's something that I've, I've tried to apply to my life. Although I don't hit the mark 100% of the time, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can even say what percentage, but what I try to do in my life is I look at heaven. I, I keep a heavenly perspective. I think about the activity and the atmosphere around the throne of God in heavenly places. The Bible says we're seated in heavenly places. And as I look at those places, if I think about those things, if I set my mind on those things, which is to set our mind on the Spirit, and then I look at my life, and if I am walking in such a way, or if I see something in my life that doesn't reflect heaven, then I work at letting those things go and, and shifting my atmosphere, shifting my circumstance, shifting my way of thinking, shifting my perspective to look more and more like those heavenly things. Now, again, I'm not saying that, that look, I've arrived, because obviously I haven't. I don't know of any, I don't think any, anybody has. But in our walk, a part of walking in the kingdom is taking our life and having it look more and more like the kingdom of God. In heaven, there's rejoicing and there's gladness, then whenever there's gladness and, and rejoicing in my life, it is a reflection of things in heaven. Your will on earth as it is in heaven. There is no good doctrinal or theological perspective that says that Christians should be miserable. I know there are verses that will talk about mourning and weeping over our sin and that there are things that we should mourn for and weep over. Jesus mourned and wept bitterly over certain things. But to live in a constant state of that is not biblical. And to live in that constant perspective is actually, actually does more harm than good for the furtherment of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, we got to have the Lord's perspective. Isaiah 51.3 says, For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. 
thanksgiving, and the voice of song. Isaiah 61.3, to grant to those, this is something that God does, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The Lord is glorified when we walk in his righteousness, in the oaks of righteousness. He is glorified when we praise instead of having a faint spirit or a depressed spirit. Whenever we have a garment of praise, whenever our lifestyle, our, what, what we are showing the earth is our praise instead of a faint spirit. And it says he'll give us the oil of gladness instead of mourning. There is an anointing. For gladness. I'm, and I, I just want to challenge you. If you're in a place in your life where you don't feel like you've had happiness, that you haven't been a happy person, that you haven't been glad, uh, and you may, you know, say, I have the joy of the Lord, but you know in your heart that you 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 don't, <laughs> that you're not glad, that you're not happy. Yeah, I'm not I'm not condemning. I'm not saying that, oh, well, you're a horrible Christian, uh, especially if you have a natural tendency for for maybe uh, de- uh, depression. Um, I definitely don't want to speak that over you. And I don't want you to think, oh, well, I'm a horrible Christian because I'm not happy. That's not what I'm saying. Hear me out. What I am saying is that there is an anointing. There is a place in the presence of God that he will make you happy. He will give you gladness. I'm jumping a little bit ahead of myself. I'll get to this towards the end of today's episode. But there are practical things that you can do to get to that place. I don't want you to feel like I'm just reading passages and then saying, okay, now go be happy. I'll give you something very practical. I think the most practical thing in this topic uh, at the end of this this episode. So l- let me keep reading a few more of these verses. Isaiah 65 verse 18 says, But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. Look at this for a second. He says, I'll create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I would like to suggest that Jesus uh, uses us, his people, as a representation of true happiness. It says that he has made us to be a gladness. Even to those around us, we should be a gladness. We should be so happy in the Lord. And again, I'm not talking about goofy or silly, although sometimes you can. it's okay to be goofy and silly at times, but I'm talking about this deeply rooted happiness and gladness and joy that is in us, around us, that we're clothed in it. We have this oil of gladness around us, and that is to affect others around us, to make them happy, to make them joyful, to be a blessing to those around us rather than being the one that is constantly causing others to be upset, uh, being the one that causes someone to become bitter. Like That's not the kingdom of heaven, and that's not a good representation of Jesus. I know that Jesus upset people. I know that Jesus turned over tables. I know that he did things that people didn't like and they left. But there is also a drawing dynamic to Jesus. And there are times where as Christians we need to stand up for righteousness. I get it. And not allow certain things to take place. But there should be such a drawing to your life as a Christian. People should be glad to be around you. The unbeliever, the outsider should look at you and say, that's somebody I like to be around. Don't you want that? Don't you want that gladness and that happiness to be yours? I'm telling you, it's available. It's here. It's in the presence of the Lord. Jeremiah 31, 
verse 7. I'm also going to read Jeremiah 31, verse 13. I'm just going to read them back to back. Uh, Verse 7 says in Jeremiah 31, For thus says the Lord, Sing aloud with gladness for Jacob, and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. It says, Sing aloud with gladness or happiness. Verse 13 says, Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I want to talk to some of my very reserved Christians. (laughs) It is okay to be very reserved. It is okay to not be someone who is always dancing and shouting and clapping. I am not condemning anyone who is a very reserved and quiet, introverted person. That being said, there is a place in worship. There is a place in His presence to sing and to rejoice and to clap. You notice the Bible doesn't say, All ye extroverts sing for gladness, make a joyful noise, dance. You know, the Bible says, the Bible tells us to dance, to shout, to clap. All of these are things that we do when we are glad, when we're happy. Go to a football game and see a high-profile game against a, a, a team's rival and see the gladness and the shouting and the clapping and the jumping and the dancing that takes place whenever the whole game it's neck and neck and then your team comes out ahead. I've seen it time and time again. Why in the world would we respond with such extravagant joy and gladness and happiness on a silly game uh, or an athletic event? Again, I'm not, again, okay. I, though all of you athletes out there, I'm not, I'm not trying to demoralize uh, athletics or anything. What I am saying is that we get so excited and we, we justify and we're okay with shouting and clapping and dancing in all of those settings. Well, what about being in that place in the presence of God where we dance and shout and clap and rejoice? You know, we have this very false idea. It's not a biblical idea and it, it's not a, a healthy idea at all. Now, whenever you, you're in the presence of God, that we have to be very stoic and we have to be very quiet. We have to be very reserved. And that's, that's just not in the Bible. That's not there. You know, it, it, it's funny to me that so many Christians who, who kind of find their identity in deeply rooted theological study and doctrine will also come to this idea that it's inappropriate to dance or shout or clap or sing or raise your hands in worship. It, it's really nut, nutty to me because the more theologically sound we are, the more we should realize that this is something that the presence of God produces in a person. It's, it, these are extravagant forms of worship that the Bible not only uh, allows, but in some places even tells us or commands us to do these things. The Bible doesn't say, shout if you are a Pentecostal. It doesn't say clap if you go to a charismatic church. It doesn't say those things. We need to come to this understanding in this generation that you are allowed. I, you can go to, I don't care if you go to a Baptist church, a Pentecostal church, a Catholic church, church elders and leaders, those who have, are, are mature in the faith, we need to start allowing and permitting people to rejoice in extravagant ways. We can still be reverent to the Lord and rejoice with an extravagant worship. This is the heart of God. In the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9, it records what is actually written in Psalm 45, 7. And it says, You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. 
Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. A part of that is a prophetic word uh, about Jesus, how he was anointed with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Now, I get it. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. I get those things. But yet he had the the oil of gladness upon him. It's because he had the Holy Spirit upon him. And it's through the, the Spirit, the kingdom of heaven, an attribute of the kingdom of heaven is joy in the Holy Spirit. He had the oil of gladness on him. Now, okay. I'm running out of time, so here's what I want to do. I want to go ahead and focus on the very last passage here, the, la- the last couple verses that I'm going to read here in Acts chapter 2. Don't worry, this isn't a day of Pentecost type message. I want to look at the, a passage here in Acts chapter 2, verse 25 through 28. I want to read these few verses here. And in this passage, we see a practical principle in a- attaining this joy and this gladness. That is in the presence of God. Now just know, whenever I'm talking about this extravagant joy and this gladness, this happiness, it's found in the presence of God. But what is the practical? You know, it's easy to read these verses that say, God's going to turn your mourning into joy. It's easy to read these verses that say that he makes us full of gladness in his presence, or he makes us full of joy in his presence, or he'll turn our mourning into dancing. It's easy to read those things. But as far as the practical application, what are things that I can do as an individual to walk in the joy of the Lord? What are some things that I can do to walk in the gladness? I want to be full of gladness. I don't want to just say I have yeah, joy, and it's like a hidden joy, but I actually want to be happy. I want to have the joy of the Lord. I want people to look at my life and for me to affect them in a, in a, in a positive way with gladness. I want to have this contagious happiness on me that causes other people to be happy. I I want that. It's easy to say those things, but where do we find it? How do we get there? I would like to suggest there may be several things that that we can find scripturally and pull from and say, okay, well, this is how to get gladness. This is how to get gladness. But I think every one of them will flow from this place. This is step one. So in today's episode, I'm wrapping up with this. There, there is a step that you can take to receive the gladness and the joy that is found in his presence. First, I want to read Acts chapter 2, verses 25 through 28. Here's what it says. For David says concerning him, the apostle Peter is preaching from an Old Testament passage that David prophesied about Jesus. He's speaking of Jesus, and here's what he says. I saw the Lord always before me. For he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or to hell or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness in your presence. Here's what he said. I will set the Lord before me always. And the end result of that is you will make me full of gladness in your presence. So here's the practical step. Set the Lord before you. We can get so distracted in our grief. We can get so distracted in our sorrow. We can get distracted in, in so, from so many things. We have to consciously choose, and we have to intentionally set Jesus Christ before us. 
and say, I know all these things are going on, but I'm looking at Jesus. I'm beholding the Lord. That very first verse that I read at the beginning of this episode said that at, at the Father's right hand, there are many pleasures. Jesus is at the right hand of God. And as in Christ, we will find those pleasures. And so if we want the pleasures and the gladness, the joy that is found in God, we have to look to Jesus. David says, I put the Lord before me always. You continue reading. The end result is he makes us full of gladness. He says that he is at my right hand, so I won't be shaken. Walk with the Lord and you won't be shaken. My heart was glad. Not just, he's not just like making a statement of faith here. He's not just proclaiming, trying to speak something into existence. He's not saying, okay, I'm rejoicing, but really was full of sorrow. He said, no, within my heart, I'm rejoicing. I'm actually rejoicing from not just an exterior point, but from the inside. On the inside, I'm rejoicing. And my tongue rejoiced. See, he's saying that I have joy. I'm rejoicing on the inside. Therefore, my tongue rejoices. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so... Because I am rejoicing in my heart, I can also rejoice with my mouth. If you want to experience joy and gladness in the presence of God, in the manifest presence of God, then lean into Him. What I know sometimes I'm, I may be using these words, it's like, what does that even mean? Practically speaking, uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We all, with an unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord— are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. This comes from the Spirit. So here's what I mean. As we behold Him, which means to spend time with Him, to seek Him, to worship Him, to, to, to encounter Him, you do that through prayer, through meditation, through through reading of Scripture, through worship, through, through community of believers. As we continue to do those things, we encounter Him. That gives us the ability to behold Him. And as we set Him before us, we, we intentionally set the Lord before us. In that process, He makes us full of gladness. It's easy to say whenever things are going good in your life. But whenever you lose a loved one, or you're in a financial, uh, you're, you're financially stressed, or or things aren't looking. You're in a, You look at the politics. You look at the government. You look at all these things, and it's easy to not walk in joy. And that's why we have. It's it's also easy to not set the Lord and eternity in in front of us. But whenever we have an eternal perspective, meaning although yeah, politics don't look too hot right now. Uh, I'm in financial strain. My health isn't where it needs to be. Uh, I've lost a loved one. It's okay to be have grief and sorrow in those in those moments. But look beyond that. Set your eyes on eternity. And you have to choose to do that daily. It's just like the dying daily to yourself or picking up your cross daily. I daily choose to look at eternity. I may have lost a loved one, but I have eternity with the Lord. I, I may have financial stress right now, but he is faithful. His word is true. He won't see me forsaken. From an eternal perspective, I'm good. So what if I lose everything? If I lose my life, if I lose my finances, I get to spend eternity with heaven. And so that can actually affect our mood right now (laughs) in the midst of the storm. And that's how we walk in that joy that surpasses understanding is that we are not basing our response or our reaction on on the bad things that we're facing, but we're responding according to our eternal reward, which is Jesus Christ. Everything we're doing is is flowing from a place of knowing who we are in God, knowing our eternal destination, and that the kingdom of heaven is growing 
and shifting things, and, and, and we're going to enter into that, that full, beautiful, glorious kingdom when Christ returns. And truly, that is, I believe, the secret to true happiness and gladness, is to we have to make the conscious decision to quit looking at the, the situation before us and start looking beyond that and seeing Jesus. David says here in Acts, I set the Lord before me always. He makes me full of gladness in his presence. So set the Lord before you. Don't set politics in front of you. Um, Believe me, if you want to get mad and not walk in happiness, if you want to be full of anger, maybe even sorrow or, or fear or depression, just watch a bunch of politics all the time. I think we should be involved in politics. This isn't an anti-political message. I'm just saying that you can't set that before you as the, the place where your affections lie. You can't put your affections and, and where you gain your joy in others around you. But whenever you put your affection on Jesus and you draw from the well of being in his presence, then that's where the gladness flows from. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. Sometimes that manifests in rejoicing and clapping and shouting and jumping up and down or, or just putting a smile on your face. If, if you're passionate about the presence of God, then wear a smile. <laughs> I hope you were encouraged today. As much as I hate to say it, that is all the time we have for today. Join me next week as my friend Josiah is joining me, and we're going to talk about some of his awesome encounters in the presence of God. I want you to know that we love you, and if you ever need anything, you reach out to us, and we want to be able to bless you however we can. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. I thank you that you make us full of gladness, joy, happiness in your presence. You are so good to us. We're not deserving of it, but you are good. You're a good, good Father, and we praise you. We worship you. I pray for those right now who may be going through a season of sorrow or grief, that you would turn their sorrow, their mourning into joy and dancing and gladness, God. We praise you. We thank you for who you are and all that you're doing. It's in your mighty, holy name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.